This podcast is sponsored by the Social Enterprise and Crowdfunding Conference. Learn more at secfc.co. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone. This is Devin Thorpe, a Forbes contributor covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. And today we have a remarkable guest from UNICEF. We have Dr. Rona Khan, who is the senior health specialist, and she's working on the elimination of maternal and neonatal tetanus, which is killing 58,000 children every year. Dr. Khan, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. First, we've got to start by understanding the nature of the disease. Dr. Khan, can you help us understand more about uh, maternal and neonatal tetanus? Uh, maternal and neonatal tetanus is a type of tetanus. Um, as you know, that uh, tetanus is a, a disease which is caused by certain bacteria. Uh, but why we are interested in maternal and neonatal tetanus because globally of all the tetanus, uh, mothers and newborn babies are mostly affected by tetanus, especially in the low and the middle income countries. And also for the fact that this disease is totally preventable through proven strategies. And finally, this cases and the deaths are mainly happening in very remote areas of the world where the health services as well as the other essential service, social services are totally lacking. So in order to ensure the uh, equity of health services to those populations, UNICEF is very much interested in um, having this program to eliminate maternal and neonatal tetanus. Dr. Khan, this is uh, a huge number of, of babies are dying from this every year. Does this also kill some mothers or is it just uh, taking the lives of the babies? These are the numbers only for the newborn babies, babies who die within 28 days after they're born. And actually wow. most of the deaths happen between 3 to 14 days. Um, and can you imagine a mother just gave birth to a child and uh, because of this disease uh, the whole family and she has to lose the child immediately after the child is born so it, it's it's a very um, you know sad situation for the family as well as for the community as well it it, it also uh, from what uh, your team was telling me beforehand it, it's a painful disease it's a terrible way to die is that is that correct? It is a terrible way to die um, because the disease actually affects the nervous system of the baby and uh, what happens is any kind of stimulation, for example, light, sound, even touch by the mother triggers uh, convulsion and as a result the child's small body is wrecked um, the baby cannot suck mother's milk um, and the baby actually dies very 
painfully, but also uh, quite quickly, because the cases and are happening in areas where there is no um, good medical services. Um, some tetanus can be, you know, prevented, uh, not prevented, cured if you have very good medical services. But I'm talking about settings where they don't have any preventive and curative services. So most of the cases end up uh, being dead in a very painful way. And mother cannot do anything, even cannot hold the baby, cannot hug the baby. Well, it's just uh, it's just tragic to think about uh, a poor mother uh, who's already at her wit's end, probably trying to feed and care for a healthy baby, and to think that she's now losing a baby in such a painful way and can't even hold her. It's just just tragic, tragic, tragic. So, can you tell us about the partnership with Pampers and how that's uh, working to end this problem? Um. UNICEF actually has been working with private sector for more than 60 years. Uh, we have had partnership in order to improve the lives of children around the world, and especially in the most vulnerable and remote areas. This partnership with PNG Pampers, it started in 2006 um, under the banner of one vaccine, one pack equals to one vaccine. Um, and this is a very unique partnership because PNG Pampers did cause-related marketing in order to provide support for the program. But also, I think it's a very unique style because through this uh, uh, branding or, or banner, uh, mothers in the developed country or in the rich country, they actually, for the first time, probably came to the world of tetanus uh, because when they go to buy pampers for their kids, they have a level on the pack that says one pack equals to one vaccine. And that is a great way of dissemination of information about a completely silent disease, uh, which is very much not aware uh, in the developed country. Now, there are uh, only about 25 countries where this is continuing to be a problem. And I do I understand correctly that uh, that Indonesia may be coming off that list now? Um, well, I have a little bit of good news. It's 24 countries at the moment because recently Madagascar has joined the list of the countries that actually validated MNT elimination in the past 14 years. Uh, talking about Indonesia, Indonesia is uh, one country that is actually very close to MNT elimination. Um, you know, it's a very big country uh, where they divided the country in order for us to evaluate or assess the MNT elimination status. And so out of uh, the total population, we are left with less than 3% of the population where this is still um, a problem. And that area is in uh, two provinces specifically in Papua and Maluku province. So we are working with the government of Indonesia and partners, and we are also supporting them to implement programs so that Indonesia also comes out of this list of uh, priority countries. So we are very hopeful. Well, it is encouraging. Uh, is the, uh, what is the time frame for your goal for eliminating uh, MNT? 
Well, the time frame for MNT elimination is 2015. Uh, however, as you already mentioned, that we still have 20 plus countries, and some of the countries are very challenging countries. Um, uh, not only because of lack of infrastructure, um, non-availability of resources, but also there are other issues, for example, uh, civil war, political instability. Um, so we are still very much optimistic that we should be able to you know, eliminate most of the countries by 2015, uh, and we are still working towards that goal. Well, that is uh, a very aggressive goal, given the scale of the problem today. Uh, can you give us a sense of the amount of financial resources, the amount of money? I hate to be so crass, but, but as we talk about this, uh, how much money is Pampers putting up, and how much is the total budget? Um, I must give thank to Pampers for, like, you know, um, supporting this almost, you know, unknown disease. So far, uh, we have received 50 million US dollars from wow. since this partnership began in 2006. And I'm also very optimistic that Pampers will actually be with us as partner till we end this initiative through eliminating all the remaining countries. Um, the total budget so far for this program um, we are still looking at more than uh, close to $100 million funding gap. Um, uh, so it's a long way to go. Um, and we are also you know, uh, very hopeful that uh, in addition to Pampers, we will be also getting support from other partners to help us to get through the last mile. Well, this seems like uh, such an important initiative because there are so many children dying needlessly uh, from, from this terrible disease and in such a painful and excruciating way. Uh, what are the things that people who are watching today, what should they be doing to help you? The first thing uh, those who are watching uh, can do is make people aware of this disease. As in the rich countries, people are not aware. They usually associate tetanus with like, you know, stepping on a, a nail or, you know, when they work in the garden, you know, they, they're, you know, they might be affected, something like that. Uh, so first thing is raising the profile of the disease, know about it, but also if they can relate themselves, especially women and mothers, uh, of a child who should be alive and thriving, even in a very poor setting, how they can help these mothers to make these children, you know, live and uh, also grow into full potential. So if also they can uh, support um, through uh, donation as well as, you know, through advocacy, um, you know, spread the about this program. Are you getting support from governments? I imagine the challenge here in part is that the, uh, the places where there are the biggest problems are the poorest governments that have the fewest and least resources available to help solve the problem. So this is kind of a, 
a government scale problem, and yet the governments you need to involve are are already uh, underfunded. Where, where does the rest of this money need to come from? Well, I would say that the governments are actually very much involved in all these countries because uh, we are totally dependent on the government system in order to transport the vaccine from the capital to the remotest village. Uh, the health workers that are providing vaccine are mostly government workers, uh, as well as uh, the volunteers in the community. They come from local communities. Uh, so we actually don't have like, you know, a figure that how much the governments are putting into money because, you know, it's part of their regular workforce. Um, but in addition to that, I think we need to have uh, bigger communities, including the civil societies, uh, the bilateral donors, to step forward uh, and make sure that the funding gaps that we have at the moment can be filled in uh, in order to support the rest of the government. And also, I would like to mention one thing, that once a country achieves elimination, it doesn't stop there because tetanus is not an eradicable disease because it stays in the soil. Uh, and in order to sustain the elimination in those countries, we are totally depending on national government's ongoing initiative. So for us also, we are working with the countries that have already achieved elimination that how they can sustain elimination by strengthening their health system, by improving their clean delivery and also immunization program. And is the immunization for this, uh, is that a shot, is it a uh, an oral med? Uh, how do you immunize uh, mothers? And I presume you immunize the mothers and not the babies at birth, but tell us how that works. Uh, for tetanus, uh, specifically the neonatal and maternal tetanus, we give vaccine to mothers uh, and also women of child bearing age, which is between 15 to 49 years, before even they get preg pregnant. Um, so the, these women, they are supposed to get at least three doses of tetanus shots, which uh, gives them long-term protection, at least for five years, if not more. And so when they're pregnant within that time period, not only they're protected, so mothers are protected from tetanus, but also any child born uh, within that period, they're also protected, at least for the first two months of their life. And after that, uh, these children, they need to get the regular immunization schedule in order to get protection, not only against tetanus, but also other vaccine-preventable diseases. As you work to get mothers uh, and, and women of childbearing age immunized, I presume that that helps contribute to the effort to get their children to receive all of their routine immunizations as well, doesn't it? It does. I think one of the byproducts of the work that we do in the most remote areas of the world is the preparation of the community for vaccination program. It's not that a group of people, they just go to a village and then start giving vaccine. There is a lot of preparatory work that needs to take place before the actual work happens. So that involves everyone in the community, starting from the local influencers, the religious leaders, the local community members, as well as 
the decision makers in the families, for example, a mother-in-law or the husband of the family. So this has a long-term sustained impact on their behavior uh, in order to be more accepting the, the all the you know health services. Uh, and so for me, yes, giving vaccine is very important for them to be protected against tetanus, but more important is uh, to make them aware of, of the consequences of not um, having any, you know, not taking vaccine or um, doing some practices which may be harmful for them as well as for their children. So that kind of health education and preparation is very, very vital and it has a long-term sustained impact. Now, I wonder if you can compare and contrast a little bit, uh, and, and you may not be enough familiar with this to do it, but UNICEF has been involved for years in the fight against uh, polio. And uh, it's a similar problem in that the polio is really a, a problem only in the developing world now. Uh, I, I wonder if you can compare and contrast the effort to end polio that's been led by this uh, uh, global polio eradication initiative with uh, Rotary and the CDC, UNICEF and the World Health Organization and the Gates Foundation. Compare that to what you are doing with the MNT elimination program. Um, I actually worked in a polio program. Um, before I you know, joined this uh, MNT elimination initiative. So I, I, I think I have a very good comparison. Um, the, the main difference between uh, tetanus and polio is polio is a communicable disease. So polio spreads very fast from one country to another country. It has no border, no boundary. Uh, and uh, it can affect anybody. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, polio affects only the poor people, though it's mainly confined in the developing countries, but even in a developing country, a rich person can actually contract polio. In case of tetanus, it's an individual protection. Uh, tetanus cannot be contracted from one person to another person. Uh, and so it is mainly now confined in areas where there is no service uh, and you actually can give long-term protection against tetanus when uh, people in, in those areas can get preventive service, which is through vaccination. For polio, it's an eradication program. So their aim is to have like the zero case. So there should not be any case anywhere in the world once they achieve the goal. But for tetanus, it is not an eradicable disease. So our goal is mainly to keep it at such a level that it is no longer a public health problem. Um, however, polio also uh, has a lot of support from the global community, mainly because you know it has that visibility. And also, there's a fear fact. Um, I, I was just reading something today that uh, the strain of polio that is affecting Guinea Equatorial in the West Africa region, the same strain has been identified in a swearer's sample in Brazil. So you can imagine the extent of like, you know, fear in the global community that it can affect anyone. However, nothing such will happen for 
tetanus. It is uh, basically individual behavior and lack of health services. But it does not have that kind of um, global support, mainly because of the nature of the disease. Yes. Um, and I don't think we need to be competitive. I think both diseases can be tackled at the same time because when we you know, go to a remote village to provide service against tetanus, the same village can also get service for polio and vice versa can happen. So uh, the main difference is basically the eradication and elimination and also the, the visibility of the program. Yes. Well, uh, Dr. Khan, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I wonder if there is a particular place you would like people to go where they can uh, make a donation or learn more. Uh, is there someplace on the uh, internet that people can find uh, more about how they can engage in, in helping you? Um, we have, we are working with partners and they are helping us to uh, um, raise funds for the program. Uh, we also have UNICEF website that actually is meant for all UNICEF program, not necessarily for a mental elimination program. So um, it's a, a public domain. Uh, anyone can go to unicef.org and then, you know, um, there are ways to donate. But also, I think it's also important also to appreciate and recognize the partners that. Uh, are helping us to uh, raise the visibility of a non-visible disease and Procter & Gamble Pamper is actually one of the partner and we have had partnership for more than eight years and as I said at the very beginning that I am hopeful that they will be our partner, will hold our hand till we eliminate the disease. Well, fantastic. Uh, Dr. Khan, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to have you, and I'm excited about the work you're doing and wish you every success. Thank you very much. All righty, let's do some good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devon is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com. The one-of-a-kind social enterprise and crowdfunding conference on September 26, 2014 at the spectacular Snowbird Resort near Salt Lake City will bring together leaders from across the country in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. Register before August 31 for just $60 at secfc.co. The roster of speakers will include Rodney Sampson, author of Kingonomics, Francis Batista, the leading animal rights advocate, and other luminaries. See the full list of speakers at secfc.co. 
Social entrepreneurs attending the conference will have the opportunity to pitch real investors at the conference. Nonprofit leaders will also be given an opportunity to make a pitch for microgrants and to conduct a one-day crowdfunding campaign during the event. Learn more at secfc.co.